Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Cobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Dr. Jamie Walton, co-founder of Rathna, a former head of FX and rates quant at Morgan Stanley, where he started the EFX quant team in 2009. Jamie realized a lot of the models he had built at Morgan Stanley could be turned around to find trading anomalies as opposed to trading opportunities. That insight is what gave birth to Rathna, which offers buy-side users of the FX markets best execution, transaction cost analysis, algorithm evaluation, rankings of liquidity providers, ethical assessments, and surveillance tools to check for market manipulation and abuse. Jamie, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Dominic. Now, historically, we all know that the buy side has tended to leave a lot of money on the table uh, in FX. What exactly is the opportunity you saw and, uh, and what alerted you to it? That's a great question. So uh, I, I guess historically, you know, working for the, on, the, on the sell side for banks, you know, my focus was always on the execution aspects. You know, how, how can we you know, trade this efficiently? But then you know, shifting to focusing on the buy side, having the buy side perspective, I could see that actually the costs of executing were more important. So that actually led to, you know, I was looking at best execution and surveillance for the buy side's benefit. And to go one step further, we, um, we went and looked into you know, benchmark capabilities and with clients trading uh, a lot of executions at things like the 4pm fix for, for FX, how could we provide a more efficient, uh, fairer benchmarks for them to manipulate at, which could potentially lead to uh, savings for them. So the really the impetus on the benchmark side was a meeting in 2018 we had with the Bank of England uh, Fair and Effective Markets uh, Committee. And uh, the, the question came up in, in that meeting, you know, why is there no uh, com- competitor to the WMR fixing? I mean, there, there is this Bloomberg fix, but uh, that hasn't really taken off uh, in any big way. And uh, that was the question that sort of sparked my interest in, in, in benchmarks in particular and um, led me to develop you know, the Siren benchmark as, a, as an alternative uh, benchmark, which, uh, you know, in, in our opinion, is a much fairer uh, benchmark and, and leads to better uh, transaction results for clients on the buy side. But it also lead, led to the, to the name of your organization. Yes, so, so yes, obviously. It explains the listeners what 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 Rathna means. Yeah. Yes, well, um, because I'm so good at um, marketing, I thought I'd choose a name which no one could spell or pronounce, which which is Rathna. Which it's actually a Greek word meaning siren. So the idea being that it's like a a warning siren, a sort of surveillance terms, and then we used the the name siren as the name for our benchmark. Mm-hmm. I mean, Greeks it sounds mathematical too. <laughs> Uh, now, you, you mentioned you started with sell-side perspective. Obviously, you switched to taking a buy-side view, particularly after that meeting at the Bank of England. Now, as you, as you look back over the three years that have elapsed since, since 2018, to what extent do you think buy-side attitudes towards FX have changed and they're less likely to leave money on the table than they were back then? Well, I think the, the great thing is that the buy-side are asking more questions. Some of that may well be you know, regulatory-driven, uh, you know, with MIFID two. The requirements for best execution that's leading to the buy side you know actually asking the right questions and doing the the analysis to see you know how is the fx 
performing. In many ways, FX has always been the sort of the problem shoved to the side. When you know, equities performance is the, generally the the primary goal, but uh, you know when we do look at FX, there's a realization that there's, potentially there's you know, hurting uh, hurting overall returns just through inefficient execution. So what I've seen is just um, more awareness about FX, um, more questions about how execution occurs, and you know this, this uh, more uh, transaction cost analysis and. Uh, best execution analysis that clients are demanding. Now, you say that the buy side is asking more questions, but, uh, and despite criticism going back a considerable period of time now, this, that you mentioned the WMR fix, that four o'clock fix has survived. Uh, and uh, I'm wondering why it has survived so long when everybody seems to know that actually it allows banks basically to front run transactions. Why is it still with us? It's a great question. I think that the biggest uh, issue historically has been the, the lack of a credible alternative. You know, I think uh, uh, those clients who need to execute at a benchmark, there really is only WMR historically that they've been able to use. And that means it's been built into systems, it's been built into IMAs, it's been built into other benchmarks like a, like a MSCI World Index, which assumes WMR. So it, that's kind of embeddedness of, of the benchmark into so many parts of the process has led to this, uh, you know, it's a big shift to move away. You know, there needs to be changes to the IMA, changes to the benchmarks, uh, potentially changes to systems. I know one client who um, their system actually didn't allow them to change benchmark. It was hard coded to, to the 4PM fix. So that was a, a, a technical problem they needed to, to solve. So, so that's been, I think, one of the big problems. It's not that they don't know that they there are issues with the, the 4PM fix. And of course, there was a big uh, yeah, scandal in 2014 and all the fines associated with collusion at the fix. Uh, so it's, the, the awareness is there, but I, I guess the question has been, well, what can I do? What, what is the critical alternative? And you've got an answer for them? Well, yes. Yeah, so, so we believe that, that Siren is that answer. So. Uh, you know, we developed Siren as a benchmark uh, specifically to, to address some of the problems we know from existing uh, 4PM fix. Uh, the, the window for execution for the 4PM fix, this five minute window, we know is too short to absorb the amount of you know, volume going through at the fix. The liquidity just isn't there. And that causes all this market impact. You know, the market tends to run away from the clients executing on the fix and they get worse and worse fills. And, and the banks know that. So there's a tendency for banks to say, well, to avoid that, I'm going to start pre-hedging the fix. I'm going to trade before the window. And then that kind of, kind of exacerbates the problem because you get this run up into the window, you get the fixing window itself it continues and then you get this retracement. And, and the victims then are, are, are the buy side who have you know, ended up with paying more uh, higher costs. So, so with Siren, we said, okay, well, this five-minute window is, is not long enough. We need to have a 20-minute window so that we can absorb some of that liquidity. And we need to have um, a, a calculation methodology which is more reflective of the market. So, um, so we do that in a couple of ways. One thing we do is we use an independent source for our underlying uh, market data when we construct the benchmark. Uh, if you think of the... You know, WMR fix, they primarily use you know, Reuters dealing, Refinitiv dealing um, uh, for their underlying data. 
Now we use new change FX, which has you know more than ten underlying ECNs that they aggregate in order to construct the rates, which means it's you know more representative and potentially harder to to manipulate. You know, if you're trying to push the fix, in theory, you have to push all of those ten plus venues in order to cause it to to move against the client. So that was some of the motivation uh, to try to create this fairer benchmark. And, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And so this is now traded. We've been trading since January this year. And uh, so far, the clients have all had success with executing uh, the Siren benchmark and they've achieved better results than trading WMR. So that's a very satisfying to see. The clients have had success. Uh, An independent person listening to our conversation so far would probably reach the conclusion that your product was aimed exclusively um, at the buy side. Is it is it ridiculous to suggest that the product might have some application to the sell side as well? Not, not at all. So, I mean, one of the key things that we're providing here is a benchmarking service. So that allows us to have an independent, regulated you know, price, essentially. And so anyone who requires that independence, who you know wants to take out the subjectivity from the market or any accusation of, of manipulation, could need could you know want to have a benchmark an independent benchmark uh, to justify their results. We have certainly been speaking to banks about providing uh, this siren package as a benchmark for the bank to to offer to their clients. So you know we it's an an extension of what we're already doing. We have a benchmark that the banks are trading with their clients, and how can we extend that further and maybe extend the scope of underlying products, underlying markets that we can uh, use it in. So yes, we are in lots of talks with the with the sell side. I mean, banks are keen in many ways to move away from uh, traditional benchmarks. There's, there's a some fear um, associated with the existing fixing. Clearly, banks don't want to have the fines associated with being accused of any manipulation. So there's a this sensitivity around it. So really, here we're offering a a genuine dealing rate, uh, you know, fully transparent that allows the banks to truly offer execution services against benchmarks. Right. So it allows the banks to win business by offering reassurance to the clients, but it also gives the banks themselves some reassurance that uh, on the compliance side, if you like, that it would. Exactly. Now, back to the buy side, are you getting a better response? The buy side means two things, really. It means asset managers and it means institutional investors. Are you getting a better response from asset managers or from end investors, institutional investors? It's a great question, and, and we are getting positive response from both. But I'd say that the, the main drivers here are, are, are on the sort of the uh, asset owners, and the pension funds in particular, who are looking at you know the, the cost of execution and and looking at ways that they can get that cost down, understandably. So we've um, you know, had some uh, pension funds really pushing, in fact, pushing asset managers to switch benchmarks on their behalf, which has been very pleasing to see. Uh, now, to be clear, the, the you know even the first trade we had uh, for Siren was with an, a European asset manager. So asset managers are, are definitely involved in the process, and that was a you know, an innovative you know asset manager who wanted to move forward to find those benefits on behalf of their clients. And you know I, clearly, I would like to see more of that. One thing I would say is we have had some pushback uh, from asset managers just because. Uh, you know, the effort involved in switching all their clients across. So, you know, we really need to see more of that you know, demand from the asset owners 
know, pushing, driving their asset managers to, to switch to this benchmark. I think that will help we get more and more of a foothold into that asset management community. Now, you've just said you've had asset managers pushing back. The term asset owner obviously covers a very wide spectrum in terms of size and capability and sophistication. How sophisticated do you have to be to make good use of the of the Rathless services? I mean, to use our benchmark is uh, you don't need any sophistication at all. I mean, it's as simple as you know, an asset owner, a pension fund, say, uh, calling up their asset manager and saying, I want to trade at Siren rather than the 4pm fix. That's all they need to do. Uh, and uh, that's it. I mean, the actual effort there is on the bank side. It's the banks who build the execution uh, in order to deliver the the, the Siren benchmark. Um, so that's that's kind of no requirement in terms of sophistication. What I would say is that the, if you want to understand where the savings are, we, we do perform uh, studies on behalf of um, asset managers and asset owners. So send us your data and we can actually evaluate what you know what the benefits could be in switching to Siren. And, and we've done that for, I think, 21 uh, funds now. Uh, and all of those funds uh, we've shown would have benefited uh, from moving to Siren. And, and that's one of our big sales pitches as well. Uh, go, going uh, sort of more broadly than the benchmark, you know, with the other ethnic services, we, we do offer more bespoke uh, best execution and uh, transaction cost analysis, and in particular, the surveillance uh, um, work we do. And that is a, a little bit more complex, but it's it's really designed around the clients. So uh, clients tell us what they need and, and we deliver for them. I guess what we're trying to do is provide the service they require. So rather than having a one, one package fits all, we're delivering this bespoke solution to the client's needs and to their level of understanding and sophistication. Uh, now, as you say, you're, you're offering more than one thing. And right at the outset, I, I gave this long list of things you do of best execution and, and TCA and algorithm evaluations and ranking your liquidity providers and, uh, and so on. How, how should, would you advise clients to really distinguish between the products? We, the high level, you can see how they all fit together rather neatly, but if you're coming to this for the first time as a potential user, how should you distinguish between what's surveillance, what's benchmarking, and what's best execution? Absolutely. So, um, well, let's start with benchmarking because, in many ways, that's uh, the, the simplest uh, level. Um, so, here we're just offering a, a rate where you can execute against a regulated benchmark, uh, providing you with that full transparency, you know, satisfying your fiduciary responsibilities as well so that's you know a fairly straightforward thing it's, it's purely a this is a this is a number where you trade it's it's uh, you know, in, in terms of you know, systems you don't need to build anything you don't need to have anything in place you don't need to deliver anything you just need to have the the, the data itself to know what the benchmark was um, going the next step in, into best execution uh, i mean clearly there's a little bit more um involvement there with uh, understanding the trades, you know, the trade data needs to be sent from the clients so that we can analyze the trades for best execution. And here we're seeing this um, clearly MIFID 2 driving that requirement on, on the buy side, that regulatory requirement for best execution. Uh, this applies to non-benchmark trades. It doesn't just apply to say the Siren benchmark, although it, you know, when it comes to Siren, clearly you should be uh, you know, doing best execution for your benchmarks as well. So one of the comparisons uh, should be, well, how would I perform if I did Siren rather than the 4pm fix? That That is a, 
uh, requirements really for best execution. Uh, if you haven't done the comparison, how do you know? Um, but uh, you know, so best execution is that middle level, uh, and I think for us, the surveillance is really the, the the top end product. You know, the more complex product, where you know you need a, a level of sophistication. To some extent, you know, best execution is a subset of surveillance. I think if you're looking at how your execution performed, I mean, one of the questions is, well, was it fair? You know, did I get did someone run me over? Did someone try to manipulate the market? And so surveillance takes it to the next level and says, well, let's look for evidence of you know, potential front running uh, or other forms of market manipulation or you know, benchmark abuse. So that's, um, that's the more sophisticated product at, at the top end. So as I say, benchmark, straightforward, it's a number. You know, there's not much uh, effort on, on the client side. Best execution, now we need to, some trade data. Uh, then when it comes to surveillance, then it, you know, a more sophisticated understanding of the of the markets really is necessary. And the transaction cost analysis, what do you need for that? Well, transaction cost analysis, you can think of as being a, a part of best execution, uh, maybe one step further than just, was it the best price? What was my spread? Uh, you can go a little bit further and look at things like, well, what was my market impact when I executed? Did I leak information when I when I traded? Now, how did my algo perform? Um, so that's really the the difference between uh, TCA and and just best execution. One of the components, though, of best execution is best selection. It's not just about you know, how did I do, but did I do the right thing? So you know you you chose maybe to trade at, at four pm fix. You could have chosen to trade at Siren. Uh, so comparing benchmarks is essential for anyone trying to do that. And that would be a, a considered a part of transaction cost analysis. And, and you evaluate uh, trading algorithms as well. That sounds a very difficult thing to do. Is it? It's, it's, it's certainly a level up of uh, evaluating single trades. But um, I mean, there are some reasonably standard techniques that you know, have been you know, taken across from equities, actually looking at things like implementation shortfall um, and comparing with other standard uh, benchmark algos such as uh, TWAP. So some of those things are, are relatively straightforward. It becomes more sophisticated when you're looking at the market impact for an algo because clearly it's going to be more than just the individual trades. So that, that requires a, a degree of sophistication that I guess with my mathematical background, I hope I can offer that as a service. And assessing liquidity providers, I have the impression there are not that many genuine liquidity providers in the FX markets these days, although you do have these non-bank liquidity providers as well. Um, do you have some secret source for assessing them as well, or is that a relatively straightforward, well-established methodology? Um, I, I think we have a bit of a secret source. So, I mean, this particularly when you're trading um, algos, if you're doing an algo with multiple banks, say on the buy side, or with multiple venues, if you're on the sell side, then one thing we can analyze is your impact on that venue. And, and not all things are equal. So you may think, well, I want to trade on that venue or with that bank because they have the best price. But actually you may find out that on the counter side, well, they have the best price, but also they have a higher market impact. Uh, it's almost a fundamental law of finance, actually, that whoever gives you the best price will have the higher impact. So it just allows you to go one step further to analyzing beyond, you know, am I getting a good fill? Now, did I get the best overall overall result? So that's what the, the uh, you know, liquidity provider evaluation uh, does. Right. Now, this, this, this problem 
this FX excessive costs of FX for the buy side in particular is, is something that quite a few firms have looked at over a number of years now, consultants and others, uh, data providers and sort of have had a look at this one. If somebody says to you, what's really different about what you do, what would you say that it is? Um, in terms of the uh, analytics we provide, I think it's the, the level of sophistication. Um, so I think given given my experience, some of, you know, one of the big ideas behind forming uh, Rethna was you know, how can I use some more sophisticated analytics that you know, for, I was using for you know, transaction opportunities for spotting things like you know, transaction anomalies, you know, any kind of surveillance um, opportunities around manipulation, can we find anything unusual in that data? So we use some reasonably sophisticated um, mathematics in order to solve those problems. And I think that goes uh, beyond, you know, pretty much every you know competitor I've seen uh, in in what we can do and how deeply we can analyze the code. So uh, you know, for those who really want to have a full understanding of their FX execution, a full understanding of what's going on, then this is something where I think we can differentiate from our from the competition and offer that sort of enhanced service for those clients. And do the clients ask? The sort of show me the money question do they ask what sort of savings they can expect to achieve using your tools is that a coherent question and can you answer it it, it certainly is and i think um yes the answer is yes in many ways um so uh, i'll come back to siren but actually a story on the surveillance side so we analyzed one firm um on the buy side and uh, they unsurprisingly they were doing a lot of their volume with one particular liquidity provider um, because they had the best price. But we were able to show that actually they were you know, suffering quite significant market impact with that uh, liquidity provider. And actually switching off or switching towards other liquidity providers you know, left, actually led to millions of dollars of savings just for that one client per year. So that was one, one example, um, just more intelligent choice of liquidity providers rather than just saying, oh, this is my list, I'm going to trade with these five. And you know, I think you can go beyond that. And I think best execution requires you to go beyond beyond that sort of list. But um, I, I'm going to briefly mention uh, Siren because we can quantify Siren savings uh, quite explicitly. So we've run this performance for clients. Looking at, say, uh, May month end, we were able to show that switching to Siren would have saved you know $800 per million on average for executing G10 spot. So that's you know, eight, that's eight basis points on average saving for your execution. Um, the question here then is how correlated is the client to the fix? Now, clearly, those savings are only there if they're trading you know, in the direction of the fix. If they're trading against it, you know they're sort of anti-correlated to the market. Then they, then it won't be beneficial. Um, and we've done the analysis um, for the for these twenty-one funds I mentioned and. Uh, the correlations we've seen have been between sort of 56% and 82% of the high end. And clearly the higher the correlation, the more the potential savings for the end user. Right. So $800 per million, that's a, a, a pretty explicit measure of how much money is being left on the table. But it's still at this point a, a theoretical saving. You've mentioned that, that BISO firms need to be more intelligent and that, that counterintuitive observation you made about the bank that gives you the best price might actually give you the, the worst outcome. So how should... How would you advise um, buy-side firms to go about, or asset owners to go about actually turning those theoretical savings into reality? How do they need to change their behavior? What do they need to do differently? What sort of things do they need to change 
to actually capture those savings. Well, the simplest thing I would advise is to switch to the Siren, Siren benchmark, you know, do the trading. So uh, we have seen that. So the, all of the funds who have so far executed have actually achieved savings with Siren. Uh, so far it's averaging uh, over $500 a million for those clients. So these are real numbers based off real trades. So you know, the proof, is, if you like, is in the pudding. You know, we can do all the studies, but you know, switch over and, and see, and you, you will see the, hopefully see all the benefits that I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying you, all of the clients would achieve that level of savings. Um, there are certainly more, some which are more in the sort of one to $200 per million. Uh, but let's be clear, um, this is a, a very fine market. Typically, when you're trading WMR, you may be paying at 10 to $20 per million in your fee. So savings of a hundred or $200 per million, we're talking 10 times your typical you know, fee that you're, you're paying. So these are significant uh, savings overall, particularly if you're doing this on a regular basis and the cumulative effect of that. So that's what I would recommend. On the on the more, um, the, the best execution side and, and switching the quick provider, again, um, do our analysis and then do it, you know, see what happens when you do switch to the different uh, liquidity advisors. And we, we can continue, so we can provide uh, that continued analysis of the before and after, if you like. This was your costs before, this is your costs after. And you can just see, you know, in a very transparent way, you know, whether that switch was beneficial to you. Now, those transaction costs you refer to, whether it's $10 a million or $500 a million or $800 a million, those transaction costs are actually somebody else's revenues. Uh, and the bank's revenues, I suppose. Is there any sense in which the, the banks should be concerned or even fearful about the nature of the services you're offering? Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so, particularly if you, the bank's intention is to provide a good service for the clients, because that's ultimately what we're talking about. How can, how can banks provide the best service for clients? How can clients get the best out of their liquidity providers? So, um, as I mentioned before, some banks are, are somewhat worried about around uh, benchmark execution because of you know what happened in 2015 and the, you know, I think it's 11.8 billion dollars of fines associated with that now. So it's a it's a significant problem, and so uh, they have there has been a move to sort of uh, outsource or you know segregate off that the business. And what we're doing here is actually saying, well, you don't need to do that. You just need to have this transparent benchmark which you can execute in a realistic way for your clients. And uh, we've had you know, some banks are now embracing that. So some banks are, are saying, we want to do that. Uh, I think it's public knowledge now, Goldman Sachs was the first bank to execute Siren. And they, they, they certainly wanted to offer this increased choice for their clients as a service. Um, and I think in a, from a more broader perspective, we're offering, you know, more diversity in the market. And that has to be a good thing. We're, we're allowing choice. We're removing somewhat an inefficiency, you know, this bottleneck of everyone trying to execute the same thing at the same time. Um, and we've seen a positive response from banks. Um, every bank uh, has had a positive response to Siren. Um, they've all, you know, we've got several banks who are engaged with offering it now. And, and uh, every bank has said, Based on client demand, you know we will we will offer this as a service. So I know we haven't seen that that fear as such. In fact, we've seen certain banks you know, choosing to embrace this as an opportunity. Yeah, they save fines and they win business. 
yeah. of course the customers get to save money as well. Um, Jamie Watson, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you very much, Dominic. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Thank you.